My name is Kaylee Golden, your favourite girl from Brum, and this right here is the Radio Silence podcast, episode number three. Now, this podcast is all about sharing the stories of minority groups within the UK radio industry and generally just asking the industry, how could we do better? We want change and we're going to make it happen. Throughout season one, we're focusing on the stories of black creatives within the industry. Now, this is episode number three, and I'm so excited because we have such a variety of content creators on this episode. So we've got Essie from Westside Radio. She is an incredible presenter and we talk about her experience being on community radio and how we can get more talent from community radio onto national brands. I'm also joined by the queen that is Chloe Williams. Now we speak all about the student radio experience. And finally, I'm also joined by Cassandra Marie. Now she works for Premier Gospel, which is an online gospel radio station. Also, I just want to take a moment to let you know that this season is dedicated to the incredible and much needed work being done at Black Minds Matter. Now, with this year being such a difficult year, a lot of people are struggling with their mental health. So to have a charity that's offering free therapy for black people throughout the UK, it's just incredible. So to learn more about them and to donate to their cause, please check out the notes of this podcast. But right now, let's get into the episode, starting with Essie. Let's jump straight into it. Let's hear about your journey into radio. How did it all begin for you? I don't even think I've ever answered this question, like, properly. I don't... So, obviously, when I was younger, I used to listen to Choice FM, and there was a DJ called, I think, DJ Schoolie, I think. And I remember I got an autograph from him, and I had it on my, my groovy chick notice board for so long. I was like, oh, my God, I want to be a radio it's just not one of those things you feel like is in the like I never said oh I want to be a radio presenter out loud because it didn't seem like something that could be you know doable I went to uni whatever and then in uni I did a lot of events so I knew all the DJs and we like, used to like sell tickets and stuff via ACS and then one of the DJs a guy called Smooth so Smooth EMT he had like an online radio show in somewhere far in east one time, like, I got, where was it? Like, Manor House, somewhere that I just should not have been. One industrial estate in Manor House. And then it was in, like, a little studio warehouse. And I remember he said to me, do I want to talk on the mic? And I was like, no, 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 I'm too scared. I'm way too scared. And then I had a job straight after uni. I worked in Ealing Council. So that was, like, close to Westside. And then, so I think we've got a show on Westside. And I was like, oh, I think he just said, yeah, come down. So I came. And that was the first time I'd been in Westside Studios. And it was me, Cadet. And then some other guys from Union, some other girls as well. And we were all like talking on the mic. I was like, oh my God. And then I told my station manager I wanted a show. But simultaneously, we had a show, my events platform. We did events at the time, my company, Sanctuary London. So we had a show on Climax Radio that was monthly. And so then he was just like, oh, well, send me that. But I couldn't because we did, we, it wasn't saved anywhere. So I did a demo, like literally on my bed with my iPhone speakers and it was so shit. But yeah, that was my journey into radio. So it took about, I'd say, a year. And then after I did a demo, station management made me come in and then do a proper actual demo. Then he, I think he just, he left it for like two, three months. And then randomly he texted me, he was like, do you want to come in and cover? And I was like, oh my God, what? And then that was it. <laughs> so at that point, did you ever think, oh wow, radio is going to be a hard industry for me to work in? So at that point, yeah, you know, when you're just young, it was like my first job, I was a receptionist. So I was like, I was getting paid like £300 a week. I was like, oh my God, like my first time I have uni. So at this point, I wasn't thinking like, this is going to be hard, that's going to be hard. Because I just got a degree. That's the hardest thing I've ever done at that point in my life. So anything else was like, well, what? I don't know. You, you think less of what can go wrong and less of the risks when you're younger. So I think if I'd started it now, then I'd be like, okay. It's a big landscape. There's a lot of different people who are doing different things. But at that point, I didn't think it's a difficult industry now. Yeah. And did you feel represented when you first started out in radio? Yeah, I did a not. Yeah, yeah. I did. I think I think I did, actually. Because I think the more you're involved in radio and the longer I've been on it, that's when it's like, okay, cool. You look at other stations and then you look at the nationals and you can actually see 
like where it can take you. But at that time, I was literally just looking at who was on my station. In terms of community stations, like, yeah, I think the representation's good. And I didn't feel underrepresented at all. Well, as you just said, community radio in terms of representation in London is incredible, especially when I compare it to, like, other cities being outside of London. When you come into London, as you said, we have Represent, we have Westside, we have The Beat, we have Croydon FM. There's so many different stations. So representation, community radio is just incredible. It's off the chart. And as you said, you grew up listening to Choice FM as well. And Choice FM, that was yeah. popping. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was. It fully was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was. Do you feel represented now if you look at national brands? No, it is. On nationals, because they had the extra stations, as in like couple extra and that like BBC one extra. I feel like that's where people look to anyway. But it's it's a weird one. I feel like this is maybe this is just me, but I feel like when I think of radio, yeah, for someone to think of Radio One, they have to actively think of Radio One. But like obviously the Radio One demographic or whoever, if you listen to a lot of pop, you're just gonna think of Radio One. But I don't think of Radio One when I think of Radio. I think of my peers on one extra, et cetera, et cetera. So in terms of those stations, obviously, of course, the representation is very high. But in terms of stations like maybe KISS and then obviously across the board on the BBC and then on talk radio and then maybe on sport radio, yeah, the representation isn't, it's not really there, is it? But having said that, even even looking at that breakfast, for me, it would be Shana and Yinka on Couple Extra. And at the time, it was Dotty on One Extra. Obviously, Nadia's covering now. So for me, I'm like, oh my God, like, it's lit, like, three black women just on radio doing breakfast. But then it's very insulated because we're looking at it from, like, a London-centric point of view. But then probably on a wider scale, the numbers probably aren't that good, to be honest. Yeah. When I'm having these conversations with people, it's so interesting because of we're all in such a mindset of Capital Extra, One Extra, Back in the day, choice. So it's so interesting because we feel so represented in these stations that we don't even think about the other stations. Literally, literally, literally. But when you actually look at it and deep the numbers, it's not that amazing. Back to community radio. Why is community radio so important to you? I think it's important for me because how long have I been on Westside? I don't know, maybe like four years. And I think over those years, I've definitely developed into someone I can speak on the mic properly I can just do everything I can produce my own shows I can do a show literally with them I could do a show anywhere do you know what I mean standing on my head and I think those skills you learn when you are at community radio and I've made so many mistakes on air say for example if I got into the bigger stations when I wasn't ready and I made those mistakes it would be 10 times worse do you know what I mean I can do live shows recorded shows I can do DJ shows I became a better DJ on radio I can interview people all of those skills that you have to learn, there's that aspect. And then I think there's also the like the family aspect of it. There's so many people that come through Westside. We're all really close. And then we're friends with like the artists as well. So I, I think community radio is very, very, very important. And coming from a community station where there is a massive amount of talent that's been, that's currently there, future talent, why do you think that there is a lack of diversity in radio across the board when there is so much talent in community radio? While I was at Westside, well, I'm still at Westside, but like the earlier days, I was actually working in music. So I worked in like offices and stuff. I don't now, but before I did. And that actually showed me how underrepresented people are in music, like we are in music across the board, yeah. And it also showed me that like, people hire their friends because I've been in companies where they all live in Hackney, they're all not from London. And they all know each other. And my mind was blown away. And I was like, but how is it possible that you all know each other, yeah? But it'll be because they all went uni together or someone, someone's boyfriend is this person's sister. Do you get it? It's like that. And they all hire each other. So they all hire their friends. And I think that is what is prevalent, probably in other industries as well. But I think more so music, because music is like the cool, laid back, like chilled industry. And maybe with radio, it's probably the same. Because you have to think, even though, yeah, One Extra is a cool station, blah, 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 still the BBC, I still the national broadcaster. Even though, like, Capital is global and it's cool and it's fun, they're still, like, a multi-million pound company. Do you know what I mean? They're still a corporate company. So the higher you go in those companies, is probably people who went university together, went to private school together, or this son is that... Do you get it? So I think it's like that. And I think it just comes down to people hiring people they know, have experiences with. Like me saying, oh, you hired that person because you have the same experience. 
it sounds more sinister. Obviously, I don't think it's sometimes always a thought out process. It's just when people are comfortable in certain processes, they'll just keep it going. And But I do think it's getting disrupted now. Whereas before, it's probably just, you know, you just, you hire what you know, really. Yeah, yeah. And I think with that said, naturally, when companies are putting out jobs and stuff and you see it, people just message people that they know anyway and say oh yeah this job is going out and I'm trying to do that so much more actively now because I'm like oh maybe these people aren't seeing the jobs maybe people in community radio that I know are sick digital people are sick producers maybe they just don't even think to apply for the job so I'm literally messaging everyone like oh my gosh have you seen this apply 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 because it's mad I don't know if it's not, it's just mad because even in terms of like creative agencies that worked in and stuff like, when I think of all the people I know, I know graphic designers, I know creative directors, I know cameramen, I know stylists, I literally know everyone who can do every single role, but when you go into creative industries and companies, there's no one looks like you there and it just doesn't make any sense. I really hope that it changes and I I do think it did. As you said, like things are definitely going to change. One thing that I've been trying to put across a lot of the time now is, okay, it's great us being in the building, but how do you feel when we're there? Do you feel comfortable when you're there? And it's such an important thing because it's all good and well us being there, but if you're feeling uncomfortable and having to close your lips, what is the point? Yeah, and I know some people are maybe still in positions or in buildings that really want to be there, but they actually don't want to be there when they're there. Like they really want to work in the industry. They really want to work in corporate or in a label and something, but they get there and it's just like, oh, like you just can't be yourself. But I feel like in radio, especially the, the space that we occupy, that like you, re- you can fully be yourself. And I think that's why I love it so much. And being someone, so like my full-time daytime job is at Magic. It's a completely different music taste. Oh, but Magic FM, no? Yeah, Magic's popping. The music is low-key yeah. popping. Like, poppy, that's, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's my daytime, day-to-day job is a producer, a breakfast producer there. And something that I've learned as well, if you are in production, when you're in these places, it's okay if you don't know things to say, because as long as you've got the set of skills that you need, which is the audio editing, which is the social media, which is the video editing, if you still have them skills, don't make yourself feel uncomfortable and like you don't know shit just because you don't know who one artist is. It's not that yeah, deep. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really not. It's not that deep. Because the same way you'll have people that work in like One Extra or Capital Extra that don't know the music there, but they can still do a good job. Yeah, 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 100%. 100%. So just have have full confidence in your skill set and just know that you're popping. Do you know what I mean? 100%. 100%. Right. The final most important question is, how do you think we can fix diversity in radio across the board? That's a good question. I think that we just have to keep doing what we're doing because I know, for example, like I used to listen, I used to listen to, but I talk sport, for example, was always on in my house. And I remember, like, the only people who would be black on TalkSport would be, like, ex-players or ex-coaches or backroom staff. But now, like, there's a podcast called Touchline Frackers. I always see this on my on my timeline. People always retweet them. And I know that they're, they're, I think they're a group of black boys. They are on TalkSport or they're on, like, BBC Five Live or whatever, the sports stage. You know? And that just came about by them having a football podcast and his friends getting together. And people have to pay attention now because you have to remember like we are the culture so we are always going to do the numbers we're always going to have that ear and we know what's popping we our opinions are important and now it's harder than ever for people to ignore us so my personal advice would just be to keep doing what you are doing and people are always going to notice and if they don't act on it it's never your loss they're going to know regardless do you know what I mean and I think like we said earlier it's more difficult for people to ignore you now because we're being very disruptive obviously social media Everyone wants the culture, et cetera, et cetera. So I also don't think the onus is on us to improve diversity in radio. I think it's on the people who are hiring them and la la. And to be honest, if even if they don't, yeah, say for example, a station has like no people of colour, no black people, no Asian people, no Arab people on their station, their numbers are gonna show like it's gonna show because who your target audience are playing all this music, you know, rap and UK music is the most popular genre right now in the UK. Do you get it? Like you're playing all this music and none of the presenters look like the artists, can relate to the artists. It's just not, it's just not gonna correlate. So I don't think it's up to us. It's up to the managers and the, you know, head producers and whatever. But I feel like a change is definitely going to happen and going to come. 
for us it's just about keep doing what you're doing start that podcast send that demo do those mixes and I think change will come as you said it's not up to us so let's say if a program director or an executive producer or someone's listening to the podcast right now that is in an executive role what would you say to them I would say that you need to make a conscious effort to hire people who don't look like you let's say talk because music is a bit different because of the way popular pop music is right now in this country it's kind of hard to have a completely non-diverse roster but let's say talk radio just look at the young people who are actually doing this DIY. Because you have to remember as well, yeah, like all of the podcasts that I've just mentioned, DIY, do-it-yourself podcasts. Like they got a studio, linked up with their friends and started doing it. Or they got a studio, start talking about a topic that they like. It's all DIY. And a lot of these podcasts and a lot of these young creatives don't have the funding and the backing and the sponsorships that maybe their counterparts have. And look at the numbers that they're doing. They're actually changing the culture. Do you get it? So... I would personally, for any program directors and whatever they're listening, look at who are making that impact, not just online either, but like in real life too. And you need different stories. You need you need a different perspective. Like you really do need it. And if you don't have it, then it's probably a conscious effort not to have it. The content's out there. And to be honest, a lot of the time you don't have to go and look for it. It's right in your face. No. But if you have to go and look for it, go and do it. Honestly, the content is maybe obviously we're probably biased because we we are in radio, but for every topic, I'm telling you, if you want Game of Thrones content, want beauty content, financial content, sports, if you want property content, gardeners, interior designers, fashion, I'm telling you, like I could give you people who I don't even know personally who are just on the TL who have all of these podcasts and blogs and people who are, are becoming experts in their field. So it's really not that difficult. I don't understand. So at this stage, like you said, it's probably a conscious decision. And if you have to look for it, that's the issue in itself. But you should still go look for it. It was really, really cool to chat with Essie about what we can do to make sure community stations are really progressing their presenters and national brands are actually going into community stations and actually getting this talent on air. Right, let's move on to the next one. My conversation with Chloe Williams, an amazing presenter and producer Recently nominated for a Student Radio Award, Chloe Williams. Now, she is from a student station so close to my heart, Smoke Radio. Shout out to my Smoke Radio Massive. That's the station that got me into where I am now. Let's talk about your radio journey and how it begun for you. So I got into radio when I was in college. I had never really had much experience with radio before. I hadn't even really considered it as an option. I didn't know it was something that you could do as a career. And so when I went to college, I went to the Brit School and part of their media course was learning about radio and like radio production. And I was just, I was just really good at it. Like I just was a natural. So I kind of thought, what do I want to do going forward, like career wise? because you know I enjoy all parts of media but when it came to radio itself I was like well this is something that I'm, I'm good at like I can do it and it's fun it's a good way to like channel my passion in, of music and I don't like being seen so I was like this is a good way to be like behind the scenes doing my thing so yeah then I decided to go to uni and study it there and like just see where it takes me. You went to the same university as me, Westminster, which is home to Smoke Radio. Are you doing the breakfast show on Smoke, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did a Wednesday breakfast with Callum Reeve. It was interesting. Yeah, how did you find that? <laughs> it was good. It was like, the thing I love about student radio and like being on Smoke is literally that you can just mess about and do silly things that you probably would never be able to do actually on a radio station. Like... You know, we went to the fastest zip wire in Europe and Callum made me do that. It was horrific. But it gave me like the courage to push myself in the industry because when I started uni, I was a bit scared that I was behind or like that I didn't know as much as everyone else around me. I kind of had that like imposter syndrome thing. But then it was by doing smoke, I was like, oh, actually, I think maybe I can do this. So it kind of gave me like the courage to pursue radio. And student radio is a great way for people to get into the industry. And it starts a lot of people's journeys, to be honest, as well. Do you think that student radio is diverse enough? I don't know. I think it's definitely becoming more diverse. 
But I think, especially at our university at Westminster, I don't know that it was as diverse as it could have been. I think, especially when I was on part of the committee in my second year, it was very indie. It was very, you know, I felt like if you wanted to play my kind of music, it was, yeah, it had to be on a specialist show that got played out overnight. It wasn't like you could play that kind of music during the day, which, you know, looking back on it, why not? Why can't you play the kind of music that I like during the daytime? Why does it count as a specialist? And I think it definitely, I know that now they're trying to make more of a push to make student radio more diverse. But I think as it stands now, and when I was at university, I don't think it was as diverse as it should have been. It's a hard one because of, at the moment, UK rap music is dominating the charts. Like we've seen times where it's like Dave versus Ariana Grande or, or yeah. versus Taylor Swift for the number one spot. It seems very strange that we go through this and something that I've really been opening up about a lot of the time is for me, who's student radio, I'd done a specialist slot knowing that I was more of a daytime presenter for that reason. Like you was very brave of saying, no, I am going to do a breakfast show, but I didn't have the courage to do that. I said, no, I'm going to have to just do a specialist show. Like when I'm going for the student radio awards, I'm only going to go for specialists because that's, that's all I am. So I really do commend you for breaking the barrier and saying, no, I am going to do a breakfast show. That's what I'm capable of doing. Thank you. I think it was also because... I just didn't even really think about it until I was doing it. I just thought, yeah, it's like a fun thing to do with a friend. I didn't really think about too much about the music that I would get to play until it got to the point where I realised there were things that I wasn't allowed to play because I didn't even start out doing a specialist show. I started off doing the breakfast show and then it was only when it was like, oh, actually, I can't play all the songs that I want to play. Maybe I should just do a specialist show. And then that's where I ended up doing a specialist show. And I think with like the new award that's been introduced with Student Radio Association, it's a Diversity and Inclusion Award. I think that this will really make people think about how how they bring people on and how they can make sure that people feel welcome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The only thing that I kind of was concerned about with the Diversity Award is that I'm worried that it will box in some of the diverse students in some way. So, for example, if someone wants to, if they think, oh, yeah, I really want to go for best entertainment or, you know, they might think, oh, but my thing is more aimed towards like black people or it's aimed towards minorities. So maybe I can only go for the diversity award. And I'm just worried that it will split people a bit. Yeah. Well, luckily, with the diversity and inclusion award, like me going through it, and obviously I read up on it, so I was doing some work with the Student Radio Association, and the main thing that the award for, it isn't for one show. What it mainly is for is to show that you're making a conscious effort to make sure that your station is welcoming to so many different audiences. A point that you did mention is about people going for awards that are kind of, for example, people only going for specialist awards or people only going for this diversity award. Based off my own experience, like, as you know, like I won Best Specialist two years in a row and I never even got a nomination for Best Female. And for me, it makes me question, oh, is it because of the music that I was playing? Yeah. Do you know? But then, do you know, you don't want to be salty. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because this is my thing. When I was looking at the categories, I know they've changed them this year. So now it's just like best presenter rather than actually male or female. But I still, that was one of the things I was thinking, like, how comes you weren't nominated for best female? Because arguably, if you've won it two years in a row, you probably are the best female (laughs) presenter. But it's it's strange that it splits people. Yeah, it is strange. And one category that I think is incredible is the interview category. For the fact that I never expected to be nominated for the interview category because of the sort of interviews that I do. They're very laid back, very chatty. I know the one with Cadet, we spoke a lot about mental health, etc. But that was still kind of a chatty format. It was just a normal interview. And one thing that I am going to say, looking through the different people that have won, there's such a variety of people that have won Best Interview. Like, it's been people that have done speech shows, people that have done specialist music shows, people that have just done daytime shows. And I want to see that throughout more of the different categories. Like, I want to see that more throughout Best Presenter, Best Imaging. Like, I want to see throughout that, okay, 
they're really switching it up they've got a little bit of everything for this it's not yeah because I think that's one of the things about like the you know those main awards is that I think they seem to reflect the more mainstream stations rather than the ones that they would call us like specialist stations like the the one extras and the capital extras which I think they need to try and broaden it a little bit and think well radio is changing I think the more that black culture influences the media which it is and it's going to like heavily continue to heavily influence the media I think the more that happens the more they've got to reflect that in the awards that they give out and the submissions that they give awards to and I think with Mr Jam as well now Mr Jam's like the chair I think it's definitely that's why I'm really excited for the awards this year because I think it's going to be very different to the awards we've seen in the past Definitely. Something else that I'd love to talk to you about is representation within radio. Do you feel represented? In all honesty, no. I think, especially when the radio silence movement thing happened, because so Sarah sent me the slides of the like the figures before they got put out, and I was like, I don't know, I I wasn't shocked by the figures, like because I've worked in some of the the stations and I feel like when I was there I was one of a few and you can always feel that when you're either one of a few or you are the only one like I've been in stations where I was literally the only black person some places the only other black people I saw were the cleaners and that was like the best conversation I'd have all day because I'd see them and I'd be like oh hey auntie they'd be like oh hey how's mum and like I did not know these people but I felt safer and like more comfortable with them than I did with the other people around me because I just didn't feel like I saw other people that looked like me. And even in places that I haven't worked, I think you're looking at your Capital Breakfast show or, you know, the, I feel like what was a bit tone deaf for me was that after Vic Hope left Capital Breakfast, they replaced her with Sean Welby is an amazing presenter. She's so good at what she does. But to look at the station and see that, oh, okay, so it's three white presenters now. I just thought that was a bit strange because I like mainstream pop music. It's one of the things where throughout uni, people would say to me, oh yeah, one day you're going to be on One Extra, you're going to be on Capital Extra. And I say, but what if I don't want to, what if I want to work on Heart? What if I want to work on Capital Breakfast Show or Drive Time? You know, why do I have to want to work on one of the extras to be in radio? And I think if there was more representation across all of these stations, then that stereotype wouldn't be a thing. Like I could study radio and not have people think that I want to work in a certain genre of radio because of what I look like. It's so infuriating because I'm so glad that so soon you were so confident within yourself. And you said, as I said earlier, I'm going to do the breakfast show on student radio. And that you've said when people have gone, oh, you're going to be on that show. You've said, what about Capital? Because of, as I'm speaking to so many different people, including myself, we're only having this realisation over like the past six months that, that we yeah. do mainstream radio. So I'm so glad that, that you've said no, no, I can do capital as well. Yeah, yes, <laughs> I can. I can. <laughs> because you can, that's the thing, you can. And even if you listen to capital, a lot of it is now, it's just popular music and popular music yeah. now. Is a, it's just music that we listen to anyway. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Sometimes that we don't love. I love Ariana. I love Little Mix. I love all of that. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Exactly. And so it's just like, if I can present on One Extra and Capital Extra, I can present all those musicians and artists that, yeah, I love them. But I also love Lady Gaga. Like you said, I love Little Mix. So I feel like if I have the skills to present on one station, then that means I have the skills to present on another station. The only difference is what I look like and like my niece she loves Ariana Grande she's like obsessed with Ariana and I just feel like for someone like her she's six years old she needs to be able to look at the radio and see people that like the same music as her and look like her presented on Capital and presented on these mainstream stations like Radio One and stuff like that because why shouldn't she see someone that looks like her to, so that she knows that, oh, yeah, it's not it's not just me. I'm not the only black person that likes this kind of music. An important thing as well, like even at the very beginning of our conversation, like the thing that you said was, I didn't even know how to get into radio. I didn't know that it was a career. I think that as there's more representation, more people will be able to see themselves in their roles and be able to say, oh, 
I can do that. I can be that. Maybe that is a career. Let me look into it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So far-fetched. Yeah, exactly. Because my dad, he used to be a radio DJ. Like, he used to be on, like, all the pirate stations and when he was younger and, like, he used to be a DJ. And so I grew up around radio and, like, knowing the industry and, like, my dad loves radio and he's so happy that I'm trying to get into it now. But it was just one of those things where at school... I went to quite predominantly white schools where they just made you feel like that's not a possibility. Like, unless you want to be something academic or whatever, the creative arts wasn't for me. Like, it wasn't a thing that was a realistic goal. And so I think going to those kind of schools kind of just, like, knocked that confidence out. Kind of, like, well, I have to be realistic about what I can do. That was the exact same for me. I think the good thing about the radio silence movement as well is that the amount of people that are signing the Equality and Radio Pact as well, it's definitely changing the landscape because now, you know, when we're applying for jobs and we're applying for places, that you can look at this list and see, oh, actually, these companies genuinely, like, respect me and they want to help me in this industry. They want me to thrive in the same way that they want my counterparts to thrive. I think it's only getting better. Like, I'm hopeful too now, like, It was a movement that was needed. I think everyone was a bit, at the time, during like the middle of the BLM movement, it was something where, you know, I, because I was thinking the same thing. And when Sarah sent me the slides with the statistics, I said it to my dad and I was like, yeah, this is a thing that, you know, we're going to send out to everyone. We're all going to post it at the same time. And my dad was like, oh, but be careful. You know, you don't want to step on anyone's toes in the industry. You don't want to get blacklisted. But I think the good thing about this time of our lives is that you can speak out about things that are important to you without you having to fear that it's going to negatively impact you. But this is the thing. I had that same worry. I was absolutely terrified to speak to my bosses and and share it and do a podcast and do everything. I was scared, (laughs) but then it's also... You can't mess with facts. We ain't lying on anyone's name. It's straight up facts. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's the case of these are the facts. And do you know what? Like, if we can help you, I'm willing to help you. And that's and to be honest, that's why this podcast is so important to me because of I want to be able to send this to radio bosses and just say, listen to our voices. And we're literally telling you how to fix things. But a lot of this conversation has been about student radio. The amount of suggestions that I've thrown in there of things to do. Because I understand sometimes people are aware of a problem, but they don't know how to fix it. And they're a bit nervous to ask how to fix it. And sometimes people are are nervous to ask. So we're literally handing you solutions (laughs) on a plate and saying, hello, here, here are the solutions. Yeah, I I don't think that companies or any stations should be afraid to ask for help because we obviously want to help because we want to see a change, not just for ourselves, but for the next generation and the generation below them. Like, you know, we have parents who have gone through really hard times in their lives and the industries that they're in. And so we just want to be like, you know, now's our time to make a difference and to make a change. So all they need to do is ask and I'm happy to, you know, I'm helping out the, both of us actually are helping out Westminster with their curriculum and making it more diverse. And I think that's the kind of thing that I'm looking for now is to be contacted by my university or by companies and say like, how can I help? How can we help you? And that's the really important thing. Well, fingers crossed. I have faith. You have faith. The two most important questions now. The first one is, why do you think that there's a lack of diversity in radio? I think it all comes down to the people at the top. Because, you know, when I speak to my dad, who used to work in radio, and I've got cousins and uncles who work in the radio industry, and, like, they're all black men. But, like, you know, their experience started with pirate stations. And then those stations got bought out by bigger corporations that didn't really want to see black faces in their organization. They wanted to see, you know, the more European, the white faces. And I think it's something that's very deeply rooted in the media industry. And I know that it's changing and it is rapidly changing. But I think that's where it all kind of stems from is, you know, people that were free to make whatever kind of radio they wanted those companies or those stations being bought by bigger corporations that just wanted to make money and they felt like society didn't want to buy into black culture just yet. So they they kind of whitewashed it a little bit. 
Right, how do you think we can fix the problem then? Because I know you just said it's from people buying out stations. How can we fix this right now in 2020? I think it's just those bigger organisations realising that, I don't know, because I don't want it to be because it's a trend to kind of pick up on black culture. But I think all you have to do is look at how, look at the impression that No Signal made during lockdown and stations like Represent, like all of these community stations that are doing so well because they excel at pushing our community. I think all it takes is these big corporations, these big businesses and stations to look and see, oh, actually, this this is a community that loves radio, like genuinely loves radio. So let's incorporate that into our ethos. Let's make it a safe space for these people because once you start to incorporate those people into your into your building, then more people are going to want to work there because they're going to see that it's a safe space. They're going to feel represented. People listening are going to feel represented. And then I just think everyone wins that way. If you make your station or your building or your company accessible to everyone, then that's the best way to make it thrive. Chloe Williams there talking about her experience with student radio. Right, let's get into the next one. Cassandra Maria. Now, she is a radio presenter, a comedian, and also a social media producer for Premier Gospel. Now, she's a fellow Brummie, which means her work is very, very, very close to my heart, as always. Let's talk about her conversation about getting into radio, being from Birmingham. So how did it all begin for you? Well, uh, well I don't know, you know, I went to uni, I studied journalism for three years and I came out of uni and I didn't think I could get into radio because in uni they used to say to us people with Birmingham accents don't tend to really do well on the radio I remember one woman from the BBC I named Anne she came in and she was she actually said she was like yes so people that tend to are from the black country Midlands areas you know they don't really favor on the radio and they don't really and everyone looked at me and I was like oh great so I just kind of put it back online and then I went to go work for Foot Asylum. I went to go work for some, you know, random shop, new look, you know, all the big ones. And then, then I got a job in a newspaper and I was a video producer, which was all right. And then I started making videos online for fun. And then about a year into that, I thought, you know what, I could, I could. People started to ask me to present things. That's actually what it was. People started to say, do you want to present this show? Do you want to host this? And I was like, I've never done it, but yeah, sure. People kept saying to me, you know, you should have a radio show. And I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to do radio, but I just always thought it wasn't a thing that I could do. So I just flipped it back in my mind. And then that's when I decided, I was like, okay, I want to be on the radio. So I remember I contacted loads of different stations in Birmingham, BBC, Switch, New Style, Rom Radio, all these different ones. And I just said, I want a show. I had a following online at this point as well. So I showed them my page. I said, this is what I do. I said, I really want a show. And a lot of them were like, what experience do you have? I said, well, none. I've got a degree. And I've got my Instagram page, so that's it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what more do you want? I've got a show on a couple of them. So at one point, I was presenting for, like, New Style and Switch. And then Despair Robinson asked me to host a show with him on Rinse. So I did that. I was just on all these different platforms at once. So I did that for about six months. And then I got a breakfast show last year on a station called Atlas Radio, which was great because it was down the road from my house. And it was lovely, a bit of experience. And then I got a call one day from a friend and he said, this station in London called Premier Gospel, they're looking for a presenter and they're looking at you. And I was like, that's a coincidence. Was I literally about two weeks before, I was on my Twitter and I was on my radio show and I was like, you know where I would really love to present? Because I'm a Christian. I would love to present for Premier Gospel in London because I wanted to move to London. And I thought that would be perfect. And so I sent them a tweet and I said, I really want to present for your show, your station. I said, I know. You have to probably work your way off. And I said, that's fine. Just let me know what i got to do and I'll do it. And then, yeah, two weeks later, I got a call and he was like, they want you to present drive time. And I said, what do you mean? They were like, yeah, they saw your tweet. And coincidentally, the girl that was doing drive time was leaving. And I was like, right, okay. And then that was that. Got this job, moved to London. Now I'm here. <laughs> Just, Just like that. Just like that. that. <laughs> I can't believe like at the beginning that you turned that someone said to you like oh yeah Birmingham accents don't do well on the radio yeah. that's mad that's mad I know she was a really posh woman and I remember she came her name was Anne and she had like a mid-morning show on there she came in to train us all in our radio and she was like yeah people from the black country and Midlands 
you know, the accents aren't really, you know, people don't really like them that much and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, well, that's that then. I guess that's a dream down the pan. But it still works because I'm here. Yeah. Do you know what? It's mad though because I low-key always thought, oh, a Birmingham accent don't work on the radio. Like, I'm going to have to be a producer, this and that. Mm. But I never directly had someone say that to me. That was just a presumption from not hearing Birmingham accents. So for someone to directly say that to you... She said it to, like, the class. So yeah, that's, what I, mean to every, that's yeah. what I mean to young people that are aspiring. That's mad. Yeah, it was mad at the time. I didn't really beat it until I realised when I started to do all this stuff. I was like, why have I not perceived this? Why have yeah. I not? And I thought back and I was like, oh, there's loads of different reasons. But that was definitely one of them. Because it just sticks in your head like, oh, yeah, no, it won't work. So when you thought, oh, yeah, I want to do radio, at that point, did you think it's going to be a hard industry to get into? You know what? No. But not because, it's because I didn't know anyone. No one in my immediate circle does anything creative. Everyone works for the NHS. So I know there's a hard struggle in life. I know that. But with my mentality, I always think if I want something, I'm going to get it. So when I went to go do radio, I just remember thinking, I have to just keep doing this until someone gives me a show. And at one point I was on like five stations at once. And I was like, I'm just going to have to keep doing this until someone gets me somewhere. I did start to feel like it was difficult when I think I went to, where did I go? Yeah, I went to a station in Birmingham, one of the prominent ones. I said, someone want a show? I said, I've done five different stations. I said, I've got this platform that I've just built from nothing. I said, I've done a four-year degree in journalism. I've got all these credentials. Here's my demo. And they were basically saying, you need to work for three for six months. And then we might give you a show. And I was like, I did a couple of pilots for them. Nothing came of them. And I was like, I know a lot of people might go through that. Maybe it was a pride thing. But I was like, do you really have to go through all of that? Well, you've done a four-year degree. You spent a year building up your name to then be told, yeah, you have to do for free for six months. And, you know, not even radio work. You have to just come in and do like bits and bobs and just make yourself known. And I was like, I don't want to do all that. I said, you know who I am. Why am I doing all that? So at that point, I thought, yeah, this is, this is difficult. And then when it came to London as well, that was a whole different ball game because obviously the whole accent thing and you look at the radio stations in London and there's no Birmingham people on them and you're like okay this is this is hard this is and then you look at the wider radio and you think okay race where unless they make a station for black people where are the black people on radio unless they make a one extra or they make a capital extra where are they you know what I mean it's like so it's just loads of different factors but there's that side but then on the other side I always think I can just do it. I'm one of them people where I'm proper unrealistic unrealistic yeah and I'm like yeah I can just do it I can just do it let's just try and give it a go um I just want to pick apart because you just brought up so many different points and the first one that I do want to discuss is working for free in radio it's just like expected of you and again it gets to the point that you say I'm doing all this at what point do you mm-hmm. say just have no, I'm not working for free anymore. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Because I remember when they said that to me, I had a couple of people say in the station and they kept coming to me saying, Sandra, you have a really good chance of getting a show, but you just have to like put in this work for free. You have to make yourself known. You have to show that you want it. And I said, is it me being here showing that I want, have like, how, why do I need to prove myself all over again when you've got the credentials or you've got the TV? I didn't get it. I was just like, this is really unnecessary. And it's like, you don't get that in other industries. If you get your degree or you get, if you've got like a good resume, they don't say, okay, work for free for six months and we'll just see if you're good enough. And where and where that makes it hard as well, there's only a selective few people that can afford to work for free. Like, come on now, it's it's time and time is money. Do you know what I mean? Mm, time is money. Driving places, parking is money. Like it's all just money taking out hours of your day to plan and prepare this and to go in for like someone's show, just sit in and, to produce the work for free that's three hours out of my day that I could be doing content or I could be emailing or I could be doing something that could bring something in and one reason why I was very keen to get you on the podcast is because a lot of the guests are from London and radio in Birmingham is completely different to radio in London and when I say that is you can I was doing radio in Birmingham for like four plus years and never even got an expense paid in London I was here and managed to have I've got a full-time career in radio that pays the bills in Birmingham there just seems to be a massive lack of paid radio opportunities it's just not there no 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 you are right that's why I came here (laughs) that's why I was looking to here because I was like where in London there's the BBC and then where else pays that's literally one of the only ones that I know of or yeah that's the only one that I knew of that would pay me a wage 
everywhere else was volunteer everywhere else was like you know we ain't got no money so we can't give you money basically and it's like it's just really disheartening because you think if people don't want to move but they want to do radio where do you go for it yeah and again like don't get me wrong back in the day there was capital birmingham there was heart birmingham there's free radio there but again these are stations that there's not there's not representation there it's kind of hard if you are a young person of color to go into these stations as a presenter as a producer maybe but as a presenter Mm. the chances of you getting in from what's already on the lineup is very very slim like yeah, yeah. You just reminded me of all the paid ones. So yeah, Capital and Free. I remember when I looked at their schedule and I think I sent a couple of emails, but nothing ever came of it. It's like, where's like the representation? Yeah, where are the people that look like you on the radio? And even just people that are doing things in the city, like you're a non-presenter, I do comedy, like people know who people are, but then why not put them in places where they're good at in their expertise so they don't have to leave the city? Yeah. Do you feel represented now? <laughs> Not really. Um, In terms of like, I mean, there's different parts of your identity. And so when it comes to race, a bit, but not that much. Because like I said, a lot of stations, if they want black people on the station, they'll make a whole different station rather than infiltrate their white structure. So yeah, I mean, in that sense, a bit half and half. When it comes to where I'm from, nah, I don't see hardly anybody that is outside of London, their voices on the radio. You just don't hear it. Or if it is, it's like a Manchester or something that's been on the TV for like Coronation Street. Like, it's not anything that sounds like me on the radio. It's crazy. I have these conversations all the time because I know that people mock our accents in it. I know that you mock us. But with that said, radio for me is all a, it's a personal medium. You want someone that can relate to you. You want personality. Like, mm. a lot of people that do presenting from Birmingham, they're not coming at you with just a voiceover voice. That's not what we want. We want to bring personality. We want to bring ourselves. We want to bring representation. So I do really hope that in the next coming years, the stations really do go outside of the box and go into cities like Birmingham, go into even like, I, I don't hear Scousers on the radio either. Like, do you know what I mean? Go into Liverpool, switch it up a little bit because of nationwide, we want to feel represented. That's all Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's all we want. We just want to be represented. Well, my my biggest frustration, though, is, like, when I'm having these conversations about, like, diversity, a lot of people's response to me is, oh, well, there's only a small percentage of black people in the UK as a whole. Although London, there's a lot of different ethnicities. Only half of London's white. But nationwide, majority of the country is white. But then I'm like, but you can't pick and choose because you can't be doing majority of the country based on London on your radio station. But then you want to say, oh, yeah, let's just have London accents because that's what everyone wants to hear. But then your argument for no black people is the fact that there's no black people in the whole of the UK. None of it makes any sense. None of it. It's, it's frustrating to think about because you just think, yeah, it's one of the most frustrating things. Cause it's like just very London centric and it's just it's irritating. I find it really annoying because it's just it's all just hard unless you're from London or you've got London connects they don't even bat an eyelid at what you're doing and you could be doing the most the absolute most in your city but unless you link up with someone from London or unless you make it something about London they just no one they don't put you on the shelves they don't put you like don't read it for me like I said I do videos they don't repost your videos it has to be London-centric. Everything is London-centric. I get annoyed. I get annoyed with it. Yeah. Two final questions, the most important questions of the whole podcast is, one, why do you think there's a lack of diversity in radio? I think it's a number of reasons. One is because the people that are actually controlling who's on the radio either don't want to give or haven't thought to give people that are not white or people that don't look like them a space People are a bit scared to try something that they don't know how it will work in terms of accents or race. Yeah, the gatekeepers of it are who they are. And I just think they're just a little bit scared to venture into an unknown world, unfortunately. But no, they shouldn't be because we're great. We are great people. Yeah. And the thing is that we've seen in TV, we've seen how if you literally just let us do our thing we can appeal to the masses like don't Mm -hmm. think that we can't do you know what I mean like the same way with our artists like see how storms is blown up 
Everyone loves Stormzy, no matter your ethnicity. Everyone loves Stormzy. AJ Tracy, everyone loves AJ Tracy. Beyonce, Rihanna, Jay-Z. I could go, I could go on for days. So if you look into other areas as well, like we're just people. Just we people. can appeal to anyone. Yeah. We're just people. Just people. Like we ain't gonna do nothing crazy. We just want to tan. That's all we want. Yeah. <laughs> we're just humans, man. Yeah, I think people are just a bit scared. They're a bit scared because they don't want to um they don't know how to say, for example, if you were to put someone on the radio, your radio station, and you don't get their audience, even that might be a bit scary for them because they're like, How do I connect to that audience? How but if you don't have to do that, the presenter will do that. Like you don't have to you just let us do what we're doing. And they'll probably still bring in the people because people are wanting to be brought in, but people just get a bit scared about that, I think. And final question, how do we fix this problem? What is the solution? I would say do things that no signal did, do something about it. If you want to, because this is the kind of mentality that I have. If you see something and you think, oh, I can't get into that, make your own. Just make your own. Like you just do it yourself. I come from a place of like literally just putting myself out there and then just becoming someone in Birmingham that people ask to do stuff. I don't have anyone that was, you know what I mean? Like I just, none of my family do it. None of my friends really do it. And I just started. You just have to do it. If you see something and you think, I really want to do that. I want to get into radio, start a show somewhere. And you have to play sometimes by the game. So, yeah, if you have to get London people on the show to make it out there, do it. Like, you just do what you have to do. I have to do collaborative with people in London for videos because I know that that's where people are looking. You just do it. You just do what you have to do. Look at the strategic thing that you have to do. Sometimes take your emotion out of it because sometimes you can get in your feelings and be like, why do I have to do it that way? Why do I have to... You know, why do I have to go to people in London? I don't want to do that. But unfortunately, we just have to do that for now. That's just is what it is. You just have to know that if you put yourself out there on a big scale and you build up whatever you're doing, someone somewhere in these buildings is going to see you. And that's it. I so hope that you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you subscribe to Radio Silence wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Radio Silence Pod. And you know, feel free to get in touch. Let us know what you think. Do you have anything that you want to be discussed? Or maybe you're thinking, I'm a black creative and my voice needs to be heard. Just hit us up at Radio Silence Pod. Radio Silence is presented by me, Kaylee Golden, produced by Palama Kaufman, and Sarah Hebimoti, and engineered by Eric Breer. The music was made by Blackest Productions, and we'll be back next Monday with more important stories to share.